Ron and Anian. We are live in studio today. Tom ch- changed his mind and didn't take me out on my date. We're not at the drive-in. I'm, yeah, I, I, and I'm real disappointed because I was hoping to go see, you know, close for the season and see you next summer. The Car Doctor. So the Suburban broke this week. I guess it's bad when the left front wheel rocks side to side, uh, you know, probably three quarters of an inch in every direction because the ball bearings for the wheel bearing have fallen out. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions, 855-560-9900, cardoctorshow.com. And uh, get on out to the Car Doctor Facebook page and all the other things we got going on there. Don't forget podcasting at cardoctorshow.com as well, uh, vis-a-vis Spreaker and um, all the places that you can pick us up and take us with you. Good afternoon, Mr. Ray. It's a pleasure to see you once again. Um, mm, yeah, I could say the same about you, but I won't. Yeah, well, it's cause, <laughs> that's because you're upset because the Jets won last week and the Giants lost, but that's okay. Yeah, um, well, I got got a feeling the Giants are going to win this week because the Jets showed them up. Yeah, well, it's you know, is that why Tony's not here this week? Is he upset because the Giants lost? Well, the last time I did talk to him, he was sobbing. But I think, um, you remember how he had to get on the train last week to go all the way back to New York City from Orange County, New York? He missed the stop? Uh, no, the train broke down. I think he's walking, and it's a long way. He's still walking. He probably got lost. Oh, by the way, I got a memo from Tony. That's, yeah? I, I knew I was supposed to tell you. Tony won't be here today. Thanks. It, thank, it, thank, I noticed that. It, it does have something to do with the train, actually. <laughs> yeah, Tony, Tony got in the train in Brooklyn this morning. You know, I knew there was something I was supposed to tell you at the beginning of the show before we went on air. Tony got on the train in Brooklyn. Hang on a minute, folks. Tony got on the train in Brooklyn, and honest to God, only at, well, not only in New York, some crazy guy was walking the tracks, challenging the train to a bullfight. Yeah, well, next time, uh, put your clothes on when you do that, would you? Well, I hope anybody didn't recognize me. But the, that's real. God's honest truth. That'll be in the paper tomorrow. I love it. And, I love and, it. And and. and that's why Tony's not here, because they couldn't predict when the train would move, and uh, just what a disaster. It, it, you never know what you're going to find in the subway in New York City. I mean, I mean, literally, there was a guy walking the tracks, and they were trying to convince him to get back up there. And, of course, when they do that, they have to de-energize the system and everything yeah. else, and yeah. oh, what a pain. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, it's, it must be something in the air. When I went to the chiropractor this morning, and raise your hand if you think everybody was driving like a nut today. I mean... Everybody had, it was weird, everybody had their arm out the window, and they were lollygagging, uh, you know, do, 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 just kind of staring around, looking around, and everybody's doing 22 miles an hour, uh, you know, in the 40 zone. I don't know what it is, and it just, it's, it seems to be a repetitive thing, driving styles, and I guess maybe maybe I'll look it up and, and see if there's any anomalies that, that, that describe that or make that go together. Well, then um, there's the other extreme where the uh, guy who uh, almost killed me and three other people on the New York Thruway this morning where he's just cruising along at about 90 miles an hour and just cut right in front of us, and there was no room. Yeah, well, you know, and I've got to tell you, that the, it, it, I was talking to a, a police officer the other day, 
and we were talking, somehow we got on the subject of how fast cars go now. Um, the difference between cars today and cars, you know, classic muscle cars 50 years ago, uh, 60 years ago, you know, how long ago was it? Um, the car today, that, that, that new Corvette will do, you know, zero to 100 miles an hour in three seconds or four seconds, whatever the number is. And wow. it's, and it's, it's, it's effortless. It's just, whoosh, and you're there. And, you know, even the little cars, the little Subarus and the WRXs and, and the Hondas, you know, even consumer cars, you look at, you look at the way people are driving and the, and the speed limits they're not obeying. And I feel, you know, I feel like I've got to do 70 just so I don't get run over. And, and you know, you have, to, you have to think about it for a minute. If the cops are going to start chasing everybody who's doing that and going, that's going to create a, an even more dangerous situation with the people who are actually obeying the law. Right, right. So. We, had a, we had a situation uh, talking about cars and the way people drive. Just uh, Thursday this week, I came out of a left turn, a little side street on the way to the shop from the house, and here's a young kid on, on a Harley um, uh, behind us. And he pulled up, and he's you know he's having fun. It's Thursday late in the day, and he's you know going out for a, 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 an early evening ride. And he's you know he tries to pull around me, and he's you know loud pipes great. I don't care, but he's pulling wheelies, driving down the main drag of town. Uh, so I let him go. I pulled over to the right, and I let him go, and just let him keep on going. And he's just pulling wheelies, and he's swerving, and he's all over the road. And I'm thinking, you know. Um, it's you got to respect the machine. You got to respect what's there, um, uh, especially in a situation now in an urban area where it's getting more and more crowded. Uh, it becomes it becomes a mandatory thing because uh, otherwise you end up you have um, you have just far too many issues. I want to talk about this Subaru before we uh, uh, kick off the hour of the show. We had an O three uh, Subaru Legacy uh, come into the shop this week at RA Automotive. And it was pretty simple stuff. It was a fuel leak, and it needed exhaust work. And the exhaust work was cut forward, it was cut and dry. It was uh, the muffler and the tailpipe uh, were bad, and we you know put some exhaust on it. But the fuel leak was um, a little different and a little expensive. It needed a fuel filler neck, um, the tube that actually went down into the gas tank. Well, the way Subaru designs it, it's everything is a la carte, and we you know a, a 15, 16 year old Subaru rusted out. Here in the Northeast, it you know we ordered one of everything: the the, the little plastic shield, the fuel filler neck, uh, all four of the self-tapping screws, the stainless steel clamp, everything. Just because you you know what is it going to take? Um, you, and you know that's one of those jobs you don't want to get it apart and find out you needed this or that as as, as part of the um, uh, solution because then you're you're tying up the job, you're tying up the bay. It was close to three hundred dollars just in parts. For this fuel filler neck, and I thought, my gosh, are these cars there? They can get to be expensive to repair. It's um, uh, it, it seems to be a little bit way over the top. Um, uh, and I wonder, I wonder what the future of this will all look like, and uh, what this will come down to. Um, uh, so just you know, things to think about. You've always got to think about you know, cost to repair and how to repair and and, and what's involved as far as you'll go. Now, uh, probably one of the other jobs that was interesting this week, we had an 04 Silverado that developed a trans-cooler leak. And General Motors, in their lack of infinite wisdom, decided back, and well, I guess they've been doing it for a long time now, they don't coat the trans-cooler lines. <sighs> yeah. And they rot out, especially on this vehicle. This is a plow vehicle, 16 years old. And, you know, otherwise a good truck, just, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's rotted. And there's a little, it's a clip-style fastener 
So it's a little bobby pin style clip that pushes into a retaining nut, and it has that click in place and lock in place. Well, 16 years later, and all the road salt, grime, grit, crud, and 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 junk that gets up in there um, uh, will go up and and work its way into the clip, and you know. Boy, was it tough to get out, and it's not in an easy spot. I'm starting to think that when we purchase a vehicle new, maybe somebody should offer a service of, you know, an, an undercoating service, uh, um, something to keep the road salt off. Uh, you know, maybe instead of taking a car to a car wash uh, in, in the months of November, December, January, February, we take it through a um, like a fluid film, right? You've heard me talk about fluid fl fluid film. Uh, the spray that we put on the plow truck to help keep it from rusting and corroding, um, where you'll give the undercarriage a bath and a protective, in a, in a protective liquid just to make sure that it doesn't rust and rot. Because I really think the cars are made to go longer and better today. It's just that rust never sleeps, like the song says, and it will eventually catch up to them and um, you know cause them to rot out and do just that. It becomes, it becomes a, a, a big, big problem. Had a Jeep this week before I go, before I pull over and take the pause. Uh, same thing, a uh, 2013 Jeep uh, Rubicon, unlimited Rubicon, which there's a story in there too. It was, this is a 25th anniversary Rubicon that has red shock absorbers. That's what was put on the 25th anniversary special edition Jeeps, right? Great vehicle. Too bad you can't get the shocks because Chrysler doesn't make them. Um, the owner was a little upset that he couldn't get red shocks back, so we had to put yellow Bilsteins on it. Um, he'll get over it. And, um, you know, talk to Chrysler, and Chrysler's answer was, well, we're, we're, we've got zero request for these shocks. Nobody's asking for them. We've put a few of these vehicles out there, which means we're not likely to ask the vendor to build them. So, you know, you've got to keep in mind, I think, the point of this is when you're ordering a car, all these little tricky options are great, and these, you know, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a twenty-fifth this or it's a rare that. If you want to get a replacement part, you've got to think, you know, enjoy it while you can, and that's that's really what it's 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 more or less all about. So uh, just be mindful of that as well. I often think that, um, you know, it's it, ordering that rare, strange vehicle can be uh, more costly in the long run, and uh, you know, enjoy it. Don't stick it in a garage. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Annie, the car doctor. We're coming back right after this. Don't go away. For the best in car advice, give Ron a call. 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's um, let's take a trip across the Great Pond and go talk to uh, Richard in England. That's right. That England. Hey, uh, how are you today, Richard? What's going on? Terrific. Great to hear from you, Ron. All good. Uh, all good. What's, uh, what's, what can I do for you today? Well, I, I'd like you to consider this probably. You've helped me with so many cars over the years, but this is a Jaguary type. 4.2 straight six with triple SUs. It's uh, 1969, so not quite as old as you and me, but still getting on a bit. Getting up there, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, 112,000 miles, but it had a, a big rebuild, including the motor by some experts. So about 6,000 miles ago, so it's still nice. When it's hot, it runs perfectly, pulls like a train, idles nicely at 750. But when it's cold, I leave my home and I run through a 30-mile-an-hour zone so I'm doing about 1,500 revs in third gear, light throttle, and there's a very slight misfire. If you open the throttles and give it some gas, it's gone. Uh, there's maybe a slight tappet noise, but I don't know whether this is right, but my father, I'm sure, he used to tell me when I was a kid that he'd rather hear tappets a little bit than have them too quiet because that might mean they're too 
tight. I think that's what he said. I was young. I didn't always pay full attention. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Unfortunately, we didn't pay attention to Dad when he talked, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, all right. the time. I wish I had. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> um, so I put some new HT leads on, the, the wires, as right. you call them. Yeah, we call them uh, spark plug wires over here, sure, yeah. Yeah. I put a new distributor cap on. I put a new rotor arm. These are good Jaguar parts, not Chinese stuff. Um, no improvement at all. It's contactless um, ignition. So it's electronic, uh, which is another way yeah, for electronic, right? Yeah. Right. Then, um, so no points on there. Then today I thought, well, we'll put a new set of plugs in it in case one was slightly faulty. Four are a perfect color. One and four were a tiny bit sooty, if I'm being very picky. Uh, it wasn't oil, it was soot. I don't really understand that, Ron, because obviously number one and number four are fed by two different carbs, so their they're pairs by those carbs are plugs two and three, and they were perfect. Um, anyway, I put the new plugs in. That ran exactly the same. She'll cruise at any speed you like, 100 plus. The factory figures are the same because the standing quarter better than the factory. So I know I'm being a bit stupid. I'm picking one fault with a 49-year-old car, but I'm sure you get it when I say that it's just the sort of thing that bugs me. Yeah, you just want it to be there. You want it to. Yeah. You want it to run like you want it to run like a watch 100 percent of the time, not 99 percent of the time. That's what makes you a you car guy. Exactly. You uh, ex I, I get it. So, so oh, you, you know, here's the rule: when you're when you're trying to tune something, the rule is there are no rules. All right. So, okay. You know, you've got to think of it. It's an air pump. What's it missing? Okay. Is it is it is it strictly temperature related? If it's strictly temperature related then I'm going to think about those two cylinders with the sooty plugs. Right. Is is compression a little bit different in those two cylinders such that pressure and heat isn't equal to the other four? Ah. All right? So, you know, yeah. do I have a valve adjustment issue there? Can yeah. can, can, can those be my ticky-tappy valves? You know, where does soot yeah. come from? If you think of a fireplace, right, why do you get yeah. soot in the fireplace? When do you see a lot of black smoke and, and, and you know, heavy soot? It's, it's when the fire is cold, right, and cooling down, right. or, or, it's, or it's wet wood. It's incomplete combustion. Right. S same thing with an engine. No difference. All right? Um, so, yeah. you know, do we have, you know, not enough to matter when it's hot, but when it's cold? You know, when an engine's cold, it's like a cranky teenager. I don't want to get out of bed. Leave me alone. <laughs> you know, it just it just has all these objections, and then... You know, okay, I'm warmed up. Yeah, right. I stretched. Mom, I'm ready to go. Let's go to school. Give me my, give me my cup yeah. of orange juice, and away I go. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so you've got to think about that. I'm sure right. you've got timing set to spec. Yeah, yeah. What if you gave it a little more timing? Does it change anything? Okay. You, you know why? Yeah. You know, just just because it says we have to do it. Listen, I had a, I had an older Ford Eek Four. Oh, in the shop must have been last month or the month before, where I had to I had to put a what did I have to change I had to change the um, oh gosh I had to put a thermostat in it um, an old Lincoln a 302 Lincoln in an 88 town car and I had to put a thermostat in it and you always had to loosen the distributor kick it to the side put the thermostat in with your special bent wrench that you bent on your own and you know put it back together and then when you go to put the timing back you know the distributor back. Gee whiz, you can't see the timing mark anymore because everything's rusty. And I took the car out, and this thing this thing ran like a whale. You know, I was like, oh, boy. And, gee, it's where I remember. I marked it. I put it exactly where it was. 
So I went back to the shop. I got the wrench. I just, you know, gave it a tap, drove it, tap, drove it, tap, drove it, tap, drove it. You know, uh, just 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 a touch until it ran good. I tuned it by ear and down the road. I haven't seen the car since. I've talked to the customer. It's coming in for some other stuff. So you know, it's it's there are no rules, man. It's it's do that's, what you got to do. Um, that's how I used to set the D type up, the D type jacket. Just how you said, yeah. Yeah, just 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 play with it. I mean, you're not going to break it. It's already broken. You right. can't break it anymore. And then and yeah. then you know the other thing to think about is. And I don't remember what a 69 3SU setup looked like on the Jag. It's been a couple of years. It wasn't last week. Sure. Can, yeah. you, can you swap carbs? Oh, not even. No. No, you can't, right? Because the, the linkage yeah. is different, Link, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking. Um, you know, because... I know what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah I know what this, you're thinking here. Yeah. Could I, you know, or, you know... Yeah. Eh, let's go all out. Let's just go get another three set of SUs and see if it runs any different. Um, yeah, what's what, that, about $5,000? Yeah, yeah. What, could, what could that cost? <laughs> um, you, you know what driving that car will teach you? Driving that car will teach you that the reason we went to the level of sophistication on cars with fuel injection and electronic controls... It's because of cars like that, <laughs> okay? Yeah, because right. because yeah. back then mechanics were real. Some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life, and I think that's why I became a mechanic because I was so impressed with how smart these guys were. Uh, you know, were mechanics, man. They could they they would take, you know, they would take a mechanical situation and translate it into day to day everyday life, and you know. Life lessons and, and, and life objectives and, uh, you know, um, uh, I had a thermal imager. I bought a thermal imager gun uh, last year, the year before. And one of the first things I fixed was my dryer at home because it wouldn't dry the clothes properly. I shot yeah. it at the dryer and I found, I found where it was leaking because of a bad door gasket. And somebody said, how'd you do that? How'd you know to do that? And I said, well, I was, I was reading online. Another mechanic was talking about it. And I said, gee, it's not a bad idea. We could use it to find heat leaks. Sure enough, bad dryer. Um, So do those things. Remember, when you're tuning, Richard, there are no rules. That's the rule. And um, you give me a call or drop me an email. Let me know what's going on. And by the way, thanks for the book. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later on uh, one of these days. You take good care. You take good care. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. We're back right after this. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter. Getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. Ron and the car doctor. Always good to hear from Richard McCann. That's Dr. Richard McCann, by the way. I should actually clue you in. That's that's Dr. Richard McCann. He's from England. That's a legit listener. Um, he picks us up on the stream and the podcast and whatever means necessary. Yeah, Tom? I was going to say, if people don't believe it, when I called him, he was listening to the live stream, and as soon as I said, this is, he went, Tom Ray from the Car Doctor Show, and I went, excuse me. Yeah, because yeah, he, you know, he had sent us an email describing the problem with the car, and I said, you know, this would make a great call. I'd rather, I'd rather talk about it on air. But the part we didn't get to, which I wanted to, we just ran out of time, is um, Richard McCann has written a book, Classic Car Adventures, and it's, it's as, as the cover says, featuring old car tales from enthusiasts, Anglias, Bentleys, Bugatti, Bugattis, 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 Bugattis. How do you say that? Bugatti. That's close enough. 
You know, we're English, separated by a common language. And Cortinas, the Dots and Ferraris, MGs and Moors. And, and I've been reading it. Um, things like this. He talks about, uh, there's an author in here, and it's, it's taken from various people, their adventures with cars. And uh, one fellow here had a Nash, and he says, well, the old Nash could forget any chance of a major investment in an engine rebuild. Instead, I resigned myself to a weekly strip down. See, that's the other problem with this book. Not that it's a problem, but it's just different, right? It's English, so, but it's that English, not this English, um, to a weekly strip down, fitting a new head gasket and reinstallation every week. I didn't even bother gapping the tappets, gapping the tappets, to get the valve clearances right each time, since that normally twice yearly chore would only last for a week. So I just bolted down the head and near enough was deemed to be in good enough condition. But it's worth noting that while a job like that would see the car out of commission at a dealer's service pay for a week, I was very soon able to do the whole job in 15 minutes. Such was my familiarity. And it just it's just stories like this and things that he talks about, of, you know, incidents with Dad and the, 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 the fellows who went out drinking one night and decided to play handsies over the eyes with the driver, and they discovered that you could hit a telephone pole. Well, over there it's a – no, they don't call it a telephone pole. Wait, let me see what – turn the page. I think over there they called it a, um, a telegraph pole, uh, right? So it's, you know, it's just different stuff. But it is available on Amazon here in the States, Richard McCann, Classic Car Adventure. Good book, fun to read. I, uh, I, I I sit down in a chair every night, and I'm um, getting my way through the book, and uh, I'm looking forward to it each and every night. It's like 15, 20 minutes of just me time, so uh, just a good book. Thanks, Doctor. Uh, let's go over and talk to Mike and Danell in 2015 Chevy Cruze. Here's a guy who could probably write a book. Mike, when are you going to write your own book? Uh, I tell you what, when I can see my way to doing it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a blind joke. Yeah, I get it. Um, oh. I tell you what, though, Ron, hearing that story about the Jag brought, brought back a lot of good memories for me because that's the first car I learned to work on. It was a 3.4 uh, 1959 XK150. Wow. Wow. And um, I learned how to sink the carburetors because they had fuel and air mixtures screws separate. And um, you'd stick a piece of hose in the throat of the carburetor and sink them that way. And then yeah. nobody could get the car to run smooth. It always popped. I was the only one that could get it run. And y right. y you know what, Mike? And unfortunately, it would take some time. But if, if, if we ever said, hey, we have to bring back carburetors, the amount of knowledge, the learning curve, the skill set, it just wouldn't happen overnight. It's, it's no. and And I, I often think we were better then because yeah. it wasn't this, life wasn't this, Instant on, I want it now. Snap your fingers and it, it appears digitally or electronically. You had to work for it. You had to think your way through it. You had to create it. You had to build it, manufacture it, bend it. It was just, you know, you wanted that car to work. You had to work at that car. And um, it was the just. Only thing, the only thing I'll say about that Jag is you spent more time either under it or on top of it than in it. Well, that's, but that was the beauty of it. All right. And, and and you know what? When you finished tuning something like that and you took it out on the road, you had satisfaction. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you could feel the timing. You could feel the power. And it's not like you just computerized everything. You don't have to touch anything. Every week you had to jiggle something or maneuver something. Well, But but I have a couple things that I wanted to bring up real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let's wear off on a tangent. Go ahead. What do you got? The, the, the Chevrolet Cruze has now 43,000 miles on it. It was bought with 30. Already, the coil pack had to be replaced. All four spark plugs are, are replaced. And I can't get over the fact that that happened. And it was under warranty. So that's a good thing. Otherwise, it would have been 
big bucks. Did, did they have to do the plastic thermostat housing yet? Uh, no, but that's probably coming. Yeah, that's coming. Trust me. Take a look. Um, have her, you know, lift the hood and have the mechanic take a look at the thermostat housing or the coolant How housing. How did you know it was a her? Yeah. Um, um, you know, but have somebody look at the coolant housing, the thermostat housing between the engine and the transmission more towards the driver's side. There's that black yeah, sure. housing where the upper radiator hose comes in. It warps, yep. it leaks, the, the plastic just falls apart. I, I It boggles my mind how they build this thing out of plastic and just such total disregard for such a critical component. I, I Did just, you ever get an answer to that uh, fellow that had the Ford Focus with the transmission uh, problems? Um, the, Remember the, it was the, shuddering? The 12? The, yeah, the last I had heard was there was that, and I think you were aware of this, you had sent me an email telling me this, and um, we had there already, was a recall on those yeah, because there was they had a, recall a widely on those. spaced yeah. Yeah. transmission, and it was uh, electronically controlled, and yep. it wasn't a good one. Uh, that was the last so I had heard that it. they were replacing the trans and re reprogramming it. Um, yeah, uh, and that's and that's become a huge part of it. I mean, it's it's very different between plastic and software flashes and the electronics. We had a. I'll tell you a quick story before we go. Um, uh, we had a. a 2013 Jeep this week for an oil change, and you take the oil filter uh -huh. out, the cartridge sits up top, you take the oil filter out, and Danny and I are standing there, and he's changing the filter around in the house, and we wash out the cup and put a new O-ring on, and all of a sudden, something falls from the sky, literally, just oh, bang, like, what, the ceiling, we're looking up, like, well, the shop, the, something fell from the ceiling, like, what fell out of the roof? And we look around, and here's why you want a clean shop floor, right? We're looking around, and we find a silver spring, probably three times the size of a spring that was out of a fountain pen, and a piece right. of black plastic next to it. We're like, what the heck is this? And we you know, find the two pieces, don't see anything else, and we go back to the Jeep. And if you ever take one of these housings apart, it was actually the bypass valve. And the spring oh, goes boy. down the center tube of the filter housing, and then the, the, the black plastic piece is supposed to clip in. Well, 125,000 miles, the last guy doing the oil change wasn't careful. And I guess over time, the last couple of guys, it just fatigued the plastic. It got brittle, and twang, the spring pushed it out. We had to get a new, a new bypass valve. But the, the real funny thing is the... the a couple of times we started this up to move it in and out of the shop. We were doing some shock work to it and some other things. It always had a valve rattle. You know, you'd start it up and yep. you'd hear a valve tap. We, we put the that was like the old uh, six they had in the Jeeps. Right. Well, we put the bypass valve in it, fired it up, no more valve rattle. So that means That's right. that vehicle was running around in bypass mode <laughs> or, or, or poor lubrication um, for, oh, you know, boy. poor pressure issues for, you know, who knows how long. And, and when, I, when I asked the customer, he goes, yeah, I've been hearing that for a while, but nobody could tell me why. I, you know, you had one more question, I think, Mike, or one more comment? Yeah, one more comment. I, I read a lot of magazines and a lot of stuff online. And Motor Week did a test on the CT6 Caddy with the new cruise control. And I found it very interesting that there is a camera in the mirror that when you're driving the car on autopilot, that if you take your eyes off of the uh, steering wheel and the road for too many seconds, the camera will give, a, give you a nod and shut off the autopilot so you don't crash. And I right. think that's a great thing. All right, yeah, I think it's a great thing, too. The, the thing I question is, 
So who's driving who? Are we are are do we own the car? Or does the car own us? You know, either tell well, me I've, either tell me I've got to drive the car or do the driving for me. One or the other. Listen, if I'm if, if I'm going to get my license, Ron, I want something that that has some. I want a stick. I want something decent. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, that's what I, I understand. want. I understand. But I always enjoy your show, and I just brought back some good memories when that fellow called up about the Jag. Yeah. So, well, I'm glad, Mike. You know what? I I think one of the things I've learned over the 27 years of doing this radio show is that cars evoke memories. Everybody's got a car story. You know, it's it's. I I can still see myself rolling down Route 17 in Ramsey, New Jersey, in my friend's girlfriend's '64 Chevy Impala uh, when I first got my license at 16 and a half, and they took me out driving, getting me ready for my 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 you know my learner's permit, getting me ready for my license. I can still have that sensation of floating down the highway. It's um kind of a neat time. Mike, I got to go. I'm up against the clock as always, sir. A great you, pleasure to talk you to you. Take care. You take good care and uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Hey, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900, cardoctorshow.com. And, of course, get out to the Car Doctor Facebook page. And please, however you subscribe or podcast us, um, if you're not listening to the live broadcast on one of the many, many 80 affiliates across the country, uh, make sure you cl- click favorite or subscribe or however it automatically delivers back to your uh, device. Uh, whatever that might be, because it helps drive the numbers, and driving the numbers is what drives the show. Um, we're talking a little bit this hour. I guess the the theme that's come up is you know old school technology, new car technology, and, and how we deal with it, tuning carburetors versus electronics and so forth. And I was thinking during the break about the 08 GMC Acadia that I repaired this week. It had a problem with the passenger side airbag such that if you sat in the seat, there are sensors in the seat. It's called a PPM, Passenger Presence Module, to tell the vehicle computer how big you are, which kind of isn't very flattering, right? It's, it's you know, if, if, if you're a big person um, and you're looking at it on a scan tool, when it sits down, it says large. If you're a little person, it says small and, and, and so forth. Of course, I want to get in there and program it and say, you know, if you're like a really big person, go, oh, boy, you know, something like that. You know, let's keep it straight. So <laughs> Tom's laughing because he knows it. He, I can imagine what Tom's mind would say. You know, like, you know, you get in there and you're the really big person. Hey, you need to get to the gym. Um, so the PPM, the pad that's underneath the leather seat cover, was bad. And we start thinking about how much we love our cars and isn't this great and look at all this technology. It's really a pile of junk. All right? I took the passenger seat apart and, you know, it still had hog rings. Who remembers what a hog ring is? No, it, it wasn't something you gave. Never mind. Um, uh, but a hog ring is that clamp that goes under the seat cover to adhere it to the seat frame or cushion so that it doesn't slide around. It's an interior clip, so to speak. Um, it still had hog rings, and these hog rings held the seat cover to the, to the cushion, and between the cushion and the leather cover is this flat membrane with little circuit boards built in that you know measure the weight of the person sitting in it. And the reason they need to know how much you weigh is it determines how they deploy the airbag, with what speed. Um, there's also a pretensioner, which is like a shotgun shot on the seatbelts. So in the event of an accident, it, it's, it's, they deploy the airbag and the seatbelt 
is pulled tight at a certain speed or rate, depending upon you know how heavy you are. The PPM was bad. The, the, so I had to take it apart, take the seat out of the car, split the seat in half, take the bottom seat foam off, take the cover off the foam, and replace this big piece of foam with the PPM module on it. The, 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 the piece, the piece of foam and the module was $628. Yeah, that's, yeah, it was like 630 bucks, a couple hours, like $1,000 to fix this airbag. Because then after I put it together, I had to calibrate it. You know, um, I had to tell it that, okay, here's this new PPM. You have to go through a calibration process, which is not that hard, but it's it's just very technical and complicated. And you look at it and you say, yeah, maybe setting up those three SUs on the Jaguar wasn't such a bad deal back in 1972 when the car was three, four years old. Um, yeah, Tom, I got 30 seconds. When you get finished with it, when you get finished calibrating and everything. How do you know if it's actually going to work? You can't set it off. Well, you need two people, all right? So, because what I had to do was I had to hook up the scan tool, I had Danny drive it, and I had to sit in the car, and, you know, I had to feel bad, because when I sat down, it said large person. And then if I stood up, it said zero. Um, you know, so it just it, it just doesn't make you feel any better. You know, it's like, you know, at least, you know, listen, if some wise guy was programming the scan tool, if I was programming the scan tool, I'd make it so there'd be small, medium, and oh, wow, you know. <laughs> But, you know, that's just me. 855-560-9900. Technology marches on. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. What a great hour, right? I just It's always fun to talk to Richard and Michael, uh, regular listeners, and, um, you know, hear what's going on in their minds. And um, I, I love the comments about the older cars, the Jaguars, Jaguar. Am I saying that right? I hope they don't kick me out of the club. Um, I, I always think of, every time we start talking about British cars like that, I always think of Dirty Ernie. Dirty Ernie was my best friend in high school. All right? And I'm surprised he, because? Well, you know, well, we called him Dirty Ernie. You know why we call him Dirty Ernie? And can't say it here on Family Radio. And Dirty Ernie was like six foot three, and he weighed 90 pounds dripping wet. All right? But, you know, he had a Triumph GT6 Plus. All right. I don't know what, you know, everybody, this is the early 70s. Everybody's into Camaros and Corvettes and Chevelles and Mopars. Ernie shows up with this little six-cylinder GT6 Plus Triumph, right? And we started laughing at him. Like, you know, look at this little dinky, you know, like, <laughs> really? You know, what's this thing going to be when it grows up? We have to pour water on it to see if it grows? I remember the conversation like yesterday. But that's where I learned to tune carburetors, all right? Because we were, we were in high school auto shop class up in Mawa, and I was supposed to be in his friend class. And I ended up in auto shop somehow. I, I went out for a hall pass, and I just, you know, ended up across campus. I don't know how that happened. Sorry, Ma. And, you know, there I am in auto shop with Mr. Stillman, who I think just recently retired. And um, they were having, and I, I helped Ernie set up the carburetor. Well, I'll listen to it. You know, like, let's listen to it. I, like, I, like I told Richard, back then I knew the rule, right? There are no rules. Just do what you got to do to make it run right. When the cop pulled us over on 17 South, we were doing 137 miles an hour or something. Um, and Ernie points at me and he goes, it's his fault. He just worked on it. I'll never forget that. That was that was the best. But the really best was when Ernie would make that car zing through the S-turns and all the guys in the Chevelles and the Corvettes, we would just lose them because they would plow through the turns, not nearly good, not handled nearly as well as that trumpet. But, um, boy, those were the days. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. We'll